one rule I say is wash for the hair you have, condition for the hair that you want. So if you want very full, bouncy curls that are big, don't use a heavy moisturizing conditioner. Hi, Kirby. Hi, Sarah. Welcome, Welcome to, to Los Angeles. Welcome, Glamgelinos. We hope you stay a while. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. It's been a minute since we've talked to a hairstylist on this pod or had anyone come on who is an expert in hair. So this is very exciting. Yes, it is. And it's the one and only David Lopez. David Lopez. I feel like this has been a long time coming too because you guys go way back. Yes. David is, you'll you'll hear. You'll hear in the interview. We talked yeah. about it. David's been in the industry for so long. They worked on so many incredible celebrities' hair like Chrissy Teigen, Ashley Graham, Kristen Stewart, uh, Haley Biba. Biba. The Biba. They've also worked with so many of our favorite hair care brands like T3. Yes. And Kenra Professional. Correct. And, you know, now they're creating incredible content on their own, some of, like, the most entertaining and serviceable hair content, I think, on social. But what I'm really excited about is, well, two things. One, the fact that David has gorgeous, naturally curly hair. Mm -hmm. And in our almost three years of existence we like haven't had a curly haired expert on i know uh, apologies to our curly haired listeners slap us with a ruler slap us on the wrist with a ruler so yeah so david's giving <laughs> uh advice on how to keep your curls intact and maintain them so they live their best lives and then they're talking about auditioning for netflix's queer eye and that, that story. Get some popcorn, ladies and gentlemen. There's some tea to be spilled, and we were here for it. David Lopez. Wow. Can we just reminisce on that T3 show that we did together that got canceled, like, within three episodes? <laughs> so sad. So sad. Sarah, do you know this? It's so sad. No. <laughs> this was actually a really good show. I loved it. It was during the panty, the panorama. And I was like the only one that wasn't a comedian on this show. Oh, okay. I remember the show. It got canceled. Oh my gosh. This is so bad. I hosted it. It was called I Hear You, I Think. <laughs> and it was like a T3 branded, but they really wanted it to be like an I love the 90s. I love the 80s, like girl code, boy code type show, which is literally like my dream to be a talking head on one of these shows. Okay. Like, Someone revive it and do like, I love the 2000s. I love the 2010s, whatever. And we just like got to talk about hair throughout history, like iconic hairstyles. I brought up like JC Chazay's like Caesar cut in 1998. Then like Justin Timberlake's ramen noodle curls. Like it was such a fun thing. And then 
And then like literally after the third episode, they wrote us and they were like, we're not going to publish the rest. And I'm like, but you have them. It's content. Like put it in the world. That's weird. Yeah. Why would you waste the content? If y'all want to see it, go to T3's socials and, and ask to see the rest of I Hear You. I don't know if it's still there, but I will say it was so interesting. It was because it was during the pandemic and I had to basically self-produce this whole like show in my studio. I had a, I had actually a separate studio that I rented at the time. And I did like, remember I did wig changes. I did outfit changes. They treated it like, you know, we were doing a show, but it was very much like in the meat of the pandemia times. It is one of my dreams. Like anyone who knows me knows I'm the Barbara Walters of life. It was my first thing that I was actually like hosting for Real Real. And I did a great job. Like I look back, I was like, I was really good. No, you did great. You were a great host. And you were able to get to all of us who, you know, if when you're with comedians, they all want to like have something to say. So you like were really commanding in that way, which was great. But yeah, someone needs to revive I Love the Blanks for current day. And then three of us need to be featured as a talking head because literally like... It would be so good. No, it would be truly my life's work like completed. Oh my God, this is your new pitch. Wait, so I knew your name for a, a while, obviously both of you, because I've been doing what's called desk size for anyone who doesn't know desk sides or when like a brand sends a brand ambassador or their leader or their founder to visit all the editors. This is pre-pandemia times where I would basically go and sit in a car and I would travel all over every Hearst publications, Condé Nast publications, digital publications, and I would do that for nine hours out of my day. So obviously both of your names always came up the last couple of years and like visiting. And so it was really interesting to do that with you, Kirby, because I had like heard your name so much. You're so revered. Both of you are (laughs) from a PR perspective. (laughs) That's how we connected. Because it was like, I had obviously heard of you, David, but... We hadn't connected yet. Sarah, have you met David yet? I don't think we've ever, unfortunately, met in person, but like the T3 family stands you so hard. It's my seventh year working with them. I did QVC with them for, for, oh, this is my eighth or ninth year now. But yeah, I did QVC for them for six years. I lived my QVC fantasy. Wow. You need a show. You know, I came to New York to be an actor, so I really felt like what I was doing a character study there, I became a QVC host. Like, it wasn't that hard for me. I just emulated everything they did. And growing up, before I got into doing what I do now, not only did I want to be an actor, I was deeply obsessed with watching the Weather Channel and Food Network. And I tell people, anytime that I do trainings with people on how to be on camera, I'm like, watch Food Network and watch Weather Channel. The Weather Channel basically gives you very scientific information in a very palatable, easy to understand way and a friendly way by someone you trust. And Food Network gives you information as they tell you stories about their life and their children and their family. Like you blend those two together, you're a QVC host. You know what I mean? Like you're their friend. So when I got to QVC and then I just learned how to talk with someone else talking in my ear at the same time, and knowing where all the cameras were, baby, I was lit up. I lived that QVC fantasy. I had my own little show on there. They did QVC Beauty. It was its own separate channel only for beauty. And I did a show that we just sat on a couch. It was a whole separate studio. It only lasted a year. But I just sat on that little couch talking about all things hot rollers and curling irons and lived my little fantasy. People don't realize like the in-ear thing. Like, did you guys watch Newsroom? I didn't, but I'm so used to an IFB at this point. Yes. Okay. So the IFB, I got one fitted for me at Pop Sugar. When I watch Newsroom and you're watching the anchor, like get all of this information in their ear while you're literally talking, it's so distracting. So the fact that these QVC hosts are doing it and like when I was doing it, I remember being in awe of the woman that was hosting me because they're like in their ear, like, okay, this sold out. 
move on. Stop talking about it. It's not available anymore. Go to this. And then it's like jumping around a script. So I thought we were going to one product. They're actually jumping to a different product. It's just complete chaos and pandemonium. And then also at like all hours of the day. All hours. I think my time frame was like 10 p.m. or something. Like it was like the most bizarre time. But like people were buying stuff. Yeah, that's like prime time probably. Oh, yeah. I got to do a TSB. I did a Today Special Value a couple times. And Today Special Value, I'm there for 24 hours. Like, I'm at the studio around 6 or 7. I prep all my models. I go on air at midnight to kick off the TSB. I'm on air for an hour. And I'm on air until the following day at midnight. Every couple of hours. Yeah, it's so fun. It's literally so fun. I love it. Wow. Like, your adrenaline is just, like, rushing. Yeah, I just, I just loved it. When you do a TSB, you get your own little green room and it has a couch and a bed in there and it has your own bathroom. Like you have your own space and everything in there. Oh, a bed. Okay. I was going to ask. I'm like, where do you, you need to sleep? Not a bed. It's like, it's like a very beautiful recliner that they also sell. (laughs) Pre-pandemic, in addition to, you know, being ambassador for T3 and QVC host, you were doing a lot of celebrity styling. And then is that when you switched to creating your own content? Like during pandemic? When did you start doing that? I was already doing my own content beforehand. I would say I was kind of early on into it. I mean, almost 10 years ago at this point, I would have my iPhone and I would create little videos. I'd call it from the set series. I'd put it on YouTube. Instagram didn't have video capability yet. So I would just put these on YouTube. I should restart it. It's called from the set. I was a little serious of just like what I was doing on set. And I remember at the time, like people around me, hair and makeup artists that were a little more old school because I was always the youngest at the time being like, what are you doing? This is so corny. I can't believe you're doing this. I do have a passion for photography and taking selfies. So (laughs) I blended the two, taking photos of people. And I got to really explore, I think, a lot of different aspects of content creation in terms of I did a street beauty series where instead of fashion, I would go out and photograph people that had interesting looks and take their portrait and post it on an Instagram account that I no longer really use. So I feel like I've always just been a content creator at heart. But when it came to the way that I create content now, it really did kind of blow up for me, I think, you know, even a little bit before the pandemic. But once March hit and we went on lockdown, I already had my little studio at home at the time. And I had all these ideas of videos I wanted to make. And I had had a very transformative experience in my career about a year prior to that, two years prior to that, which we can talk about when I almost was cast on Queer Eye. And I was like, I need to use what I have learned in my career to benefit other people. Because listen, I love my girls. And I love the capacity at which I built my career and the Vogue covers and the red carpets and traveling all around. You know, I was with Christy Teigen for two years, you know, like, it's so fun. But I felt like what legacy am I leaving besides just like getting brand deals? You know, like, how can I make people feel like and understand that what I do is not real? You know, How do I give this information back to people that they can feel the way that I make celebrities look and feel that they feel included in the conversation and in the education? So the pandemic was a great time for it. It was also a time that I started exploring my gender identity because I had to put myself in a wig for a lot of this. A lot of tutorials for professional hairstylists, I think pre-pandemic were like me doing it on someone else. And I was like, that's not very useful. Like I would always go to these publications and they'd put me in their... Facebook Live, remember when everyone was doing Facebook Lives and put me in their studios and do hair on other people. And I was like, this doesn't help anybody. Like I'm doing it on someone else. It has to be on myself. I have things I can show. So that time frame really kicked me off. And then being in the wig every day, I started putting on makeup, started exploring myself more, and it just kind of took off. The second I got a comment that was like, men shouldn't wear makeup, I started posting on TikTok, real men wear makeup. And that 
went viral many times over. And then I had a couple of videos of me doing very simple hairstyles that 1 million, 2 million, 3 million, 4 million, 5 million views, you know? And I was like, oh yeah, this is it for me, you know? So yeah, I think content creation really developed in the way that it looks like now because I had that time at home to really reflect on what I was doing. David, it actually scares me how similar yours and my trajectories are. Like I was looking at your LinkedIn. We are so similar. We are the same person in separate bodies. You (laughs) you worked in a salon, right? Okay. Cutler. I worked at Cutler. Yeah. I didn't put on my LinkedIn that I also worked at Express and bartended and waited tables. But yes, I worked at Cutler. Yeah. Same. Okay. Wow. This is like really scaring me, actually. I'm like, this is the parallels are incredible. But I wanted to ask, I learned so much working in a salon. Obviously, you do hair, so it was probably a more immersive experience for you. But I'm curious, like, what did working in a salon teach you about interacting with people? I think it was one of the first spaces that for me, I felt comfortable being intimate with people in a safe way. And I say that to say that I was very much bullied growing up. I was a very self-protective person. I made a lot of decisions based out of fear, including my social decisions, who I surrounded myself with and what I did. When you're in a salon, it's a safe space to just immediately touch someone. You're touching someone's head. You're touching their hair. You're giving them an experience. So it's like you cut through the shit. I just cut right through it. And I just like immediately like we're having a conversation about how you feel and how you talk to yourself and assisting. I got to see how stylists talk to their guests. And I got to see as a fly on the wall, oh, you know, that stylist talking to their guests maybe didn't make them feel good about themselves. Maybe they make, you know, like, oh, what are you doing with your hair? This is so ugly. Like we need to change all of this, you know? So I really got to see a well-rounded kind of experience of how people are talked to, how people feel about themselves in good and bad. And then also it was a space for me just to, again, like be intimate with people, like to touch their head, be at the sink with them. How many people can say that they have like eight intimate experiences with strangers every day? I mean, you're strangers to me. I'm touching eight strangers a day. And there's something about that transference of energy that I think really, really created an environment for me to grow, to start to grow emotionally and like my worldview. I mean, I was raised in Europe, so I had a large worldview, but this is different. You know, I was like washing the heads of hair of like Upper East Side ladies, rich people had money beyond that I would ever think I could ever have. You know, that was really interesting for me. I love that. I feel like it also informs people like who you are as a person. When you talk about transferring energy to a client, does that mean you have to be always on? Because I feel like if you transfer negative energy to someone, it's like they're never going to come back to see you. You know what I mean? I think that a hairstylist is a very special person in that. I think you have to learn how to shield yourself. It's more like the transference of energy of other people onto me. I'm very sensitive. I consider myself an HSP, highly sensitized person. So for me, it was like, I felt like I took on a lot of those experiences of those people. And I think that that's why I was successful is because I kind of became a vessel for people's happiness, sadness, anger, resentment, whatever. And they kind of use their therapist, hairstylist, service people in their life for that. They become this vessel for like, whatever's happening in their life, I'm going to dump it onto you. And I was good at it, honestly. And I, I was curious. I think I'm a curious person by nature. So I developed some really special relationships. I would say bartending and taught me more about dealing with people than I would say doing hair. Because doing hair for me is also tactile, very much a service. It's very much like my art. Where bartending truly was just human interaction. I mean, it just truly was like, I'm seeing people out there just their loosest, if you can imagine. Yeah. So talking about being on all the time, I want to bring it back to you mentioned Queer Eye. How far in the process did you get? And like, so you were essentially, you and JVN were like up for the same role. Pretty much, you know, 
there's differing stories. I can just tell you what I experienced. I was up for a show when I was in my 20s that never took off. It was going to be a reality show about hair and makeup people trying to make it at NYC, produced by the same people. At the time, I remember one of the creators was like, you know, telling me like, you can do this one day, you know, like this is something that you should do one day. These are the things that you should work on. So that's part of what drove my career. I needed the credibility. I needed the boat covers. I needed celebrity. I needed brand endorsements. I needed all this stuff so that one day I could be on TV, which was the goal, you know, of my life to be on TV. So when the casting came up, I got a personal email and personal phone call from one of the creators. And it basically was like, Hey, we're following you. We'd love for you to audition for the show. And I was like, so shook. They didn't say it was queer every reboot. They just said it was a show about guys coming together and remaking over people. I was like, duh, it's queer. I I was in Australia at the time for my first virtual audition, did that, came back home, had a couple in-person auditions at offices in Midtown. And then from there, they flew about, gosh, the numbers are bad. So someone fact-checked me, but it was like 40 of us went to Glendale, California. And we got holed up in a hotel. And this should have been a reality show in itself. 40 queer men wanting to be on TV. It was just tears. There were people who knew each other already. I mean, I got to the airport. This is a funny story. I got to the airport and I'm going to my flight because they had booked our flight. And I see someone and I was like, he's the one I used to date. It did not end well. So I was just like, oh God, I was like, hey, he's like, what are you doing here? I was like, going to LA. He's like, going for an audition. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, then we land, all land at the same time at LAX and we all get put into vans, into cars. So you're meeting each other for the first time. It was just like so weird. It was like a reality show in itself. And the process was wild. It feels like it's like a beauty pageant. Cause it's like, you also are like, you can either befriend them or you can like get in their head. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I also want to know like what you're doing in the auditions as well. Well, just like a beauty pageant, they're watching you all the time, even when you're not on. So I knew that very early on. They did a mixer of us. And oh, also everyone had like a sticker that basically denoted what category they were up for. Some people had multiple stickers. So some people were going to be like cooking, style, or beauty. Like they had them spread across categories. Okay, no, this needs to be a reality show. I'm sorry. Write a book. I'm like drooling. No, this is riveting. I love it. It's like evil almost to put the category you're up (laughs) for so everyone else knows. Yeah, and also the fact that people could have multiple categories. That's wild to me. Okay, continue. Sorry, David. So yeah, so we had multiple categories. There weren't that many of them, but there were. And Yeah, basically every day there were different exercises that we would do that would kind of test like how quick we were on our feet, personality, shy, not shy. And at the end, and sometimes at lunch, we'd get a phone call and told whether or not they were still in the running for the show. So there would be like anxiously 5 p.m. Everyone would be holding their phones, huddled together in the lobby. In all the groups, you would get a phone call from one of the casting people. And then you would see someone start crying or upset. And they would go back to their room. And um, then you were free. Yeah, I was a little bit shook because the going into the last day, I did not receive a call at all, whether or not I was on the next day or not. I never got one at all. Everyone around me did, whether or not they were going to go. I think there was a final 20 at this point. Then it went down to 15, I think, or something like that. And I was like, okay. And then the next morning, I got a call or I was asked to see in person. And they were like, look, everyone loves you. The network doesn't feel like they're seeing like, 
who you really are when we put a camera on you and completely valid. And this ties into why it changed my life. I was like, okay. Cause at the time I was presenting very cis, very QVC. My hair was straight. I did not do my nails. I wore like scotch and soda, no shade of scotch and soda. Like, you know, I was just like a different person and they just felt like we need you to be a little more fabulous, AKA be a little more gay. I went to Bergdorf's or whatever that mall is around there and got like a, I don't know, some ugly shirt to go to the auditions. And so I went and I, and I did the thing and, you know, I thought I did was myself. And then I'm by myself in one of these hotel conference rooms, like one of the big ones, like a banquet hall. I'm sitting in a chair by myself. Next to me is the current five minus one of them. One was switched out. Oh my God. I hope, I hope the NDA is done. One was switched out, but they're in there. And, you know, Jonathan is just making everyone laugh. Like just, I mean, it's just like cackling in there. And Jonathan was the most different, I think, out of everyone, like very clearly a star. And I remember that day we were released, allowed to leave the hotel premises and we went to go get a coffee. And I remember the sun was setting and I'm walking with Jonathan and Jonathan says to me, like, you know, everyone thought you were going to get this. And I started being like, huh, I thought I was too. I really, I walked into it so confidently. And also they had, I don't think we were supposed to see this. They had in a room of like, basically like they would switch the names of who was like, kind of like in the running. So you could see, they would like switch it around, you know? And Jonathan said something to that effect to me and was like, you know, I thought you were going to get this, but I, you know, I'm shocked. Like everyone thinks like you look so put together and you're so pretty and you have nice skin, but like, it kind of made sense that you would get it. Maybe you're not kind of in a, in a way. And I remember being like, the words were like nice, but like, I was also kind of like, huh, yeah, I, maybe this is not going to happen for me. And I really thought I was going to get it. Anyway, went back. I'm in by myself in this room. Wait, so when you were talking to him already, did he know that he was going to be one of the Fab Five? Or like, had you already known who were the finalists? I think that they did not know, but they had been in that room the whole day filming fake episodes. So what they had us do was sit in the five chairs, there was a camera, and then they would show a person and then we would have to talk about them and talk about the whole scenario. What would you do? What would you do? What would you do? And it was like we were sitting, they had the seats configured like you were in a car like just like regular chairs. And so I didn't go in until the end of the day. I walk into the room. The energy is like palpable. It's like dense because Jonathan is such a big personality and such a star. And um, I sat in with the current lineup and minus one. And yeah, I was like, yeah, this is not going to be it for me. It wasn't going to work. And I just, I felt it leave my body. Like I literally felt the opportunity physically leave my body. I forgot someone said something to me really funny. One of the producers that really liked me and she cried when she told me, she came in the room, I was by myself, she cried. She was like, you know, sometimes a sandwich just needs a piece of lettuce. And I was like, I don't know what that means, but okay. <laughs> like, I was like, okay, go off. Like, Were you devastated or were you like, I know that this was not meant to be? devastated. Okay. You were devastated. So you obviously changed a lot about yourself. Like what did you take away from that experience? Because that's a monumental life moment for you. Yeah. It changed my life for the better. I'm glad it didn't happen. I became who I am now because of that experience. I freed myself from the constructs that I had created to protect myself and the constructs that I had created to create what I had thought was success for myself. And I said, well, that if I did all these things to be successful and get what I wanted didn't work, then what am I doing? Like, I'm going to do whatever I want then. I don't need to care as much anymore. I don't need to care. This was a journey. I mean, it really started the journey of figuring out who I am, what I do, and and 
how I present myself to the world. And it's been a couple of years. I mean, that was five years ago at this point, four years ago. And it's, I feel like I'm now finally at the place where that kicked off for me. I'm incredibly, incredibly grateful for not getting on the show. It changed my life for the better in ways that would not have been as beneficial to me had I gotten on the show. Truly, I say that like full-heartedly. You are an expert. Again, I'm just going by LinkedIn only. So there's only so much you can add to a LinkedIn resume, David, for Christ's sake. Look at this. Hairstylist, on-camera talent, on-air personality for QVC, spokesperson and lead stylist, T3 Micro, creative consultant, Ulta Beauty, Kenra Professional, Glam Seamless Hair Extensions. Okay, we get it. You're really good at your job. What are people asking you? What is the most common question or DM you get from people that follow you about their hair? Are they asking you about like wig installations? Are they asking you about curling their own hair? Are they asking you about trends? I'm always curious about like in your position, are people sending you pictures of their hair? Like what haircut should I get? Like, what are you getting? I think that happens sometimes. No, no. Like, what is my secret to enter blank? I think that what's interesting about me specifically is that a lot of my DMs revolve around the idea of like, I want to feel how you seem to feel. So a lot of my DMs are about hair care or embracing or I really want this to work for my hair, but it's not working. So what do you think? And I think that's a much better place to be because I'm very intentional about the advice that I give. Because if your hair can't do that, don't make it do it unless you have the means to go have a professional do it. So I get a lot of questions about my curly hair now. Probably the most. I, I mean, I've, my hair is curly now. So I get a lot of questions about that. I have a lot of cis women asking for stuff about their boyfriends and their husbands, for sure. My audience on Instagram is like 70% cis women. David, is this your natural curl pattern? Is this natural? Yeah. This is my hair. I straightened it for 12 years. I cannot believe that. It's so gorgeous. Thank you. You still have the curl pattern, which is crazy. Again, during pandemic, like I stopped doing, stopped straightening my hair. And so this is now like two years later, but yeah. So then, okay, this goes into a whole nif- another conversation. Let's talk curly hair. What are people doing wrong with their curls that you can tell right off the bat? I think it's like people just not really understanding their hair and they're not in a place where they can really have it perform at its optimum. So if we talk about the tactile things people are doing wrong, they're touching it too much, fully touching it too much, not leaving enough water in their hair when they apply product. They are diffusing it and and, manu- and manipulating it before it has a chance to fully form. I hate to say this, washing it too often. I know it's like a touchy subject for people about sulfates and shampoo, but sometimes you are washing it too much. I think one rule I say is wash for the hair you have, condition for the hair that you want. So if you want very full, bouncy curls that are big, don't use a heavy moisturizing conditioner. It's going to weigh your hair down. But the cleanser part that cleanses the fabric of your hair, yes, that is the most sensitized part of your routine, how you clean your hair. The conditioner has ingredients that are designed to stay in the hair. So if you don't want it to be flat to your head, then don't use a heavy conditioner, if that makes sense. Yes, yes. I love that. I love that. Like shampoo for the hair you have, condition for the hair you want. That's such a brilliant takeaway. 
what are some of your favorite curl products? Like Sarah and I clearly don't have curly hair, but we get a lot of questions from people about like, I have, you know, this curl pattern. I don't know what I'm doing with my hair. I think you gave a bunch of great examples of things not to do. What are some things they should be doing? And what are some of your favorite products? I think that it depends on first identifying how you want your hair to look. If you want a lot of control or you need a lot of control, and I don't mean the word control in a negative way. I mean, you just really want a lot of definition, hyper definition. You're going to want to look for a gel. I really, really love so many. I'm going to do a gel roundup, but just off the top of my head, the Kenra All Curl Jelly is gorgeous. So good. It comes in the tiniest bottle size. So I'm up, deeply apologize as someone from the brand. And then there's Aunt Jackie's, the don't shrink gel comes in a tub. It's incredibly economical. Like it's such a great price, a lot of product. It works amazing on the hair. I would say Curl Smith has amazing gel. They have one called the in shower styler. It's called in shower styler for a reason because you need to put it on very wet hair because it's a little bit cementy, but it will give you like four or five days out of your hair. If you are someone that's looking for more fullness, use a lighter weight product. So look at a foam. So the Bouncy Strength Volume Foam from Curlsmith. You can use the Frizz Free Volume Foam from Diva Curl. There's a lot of foams out there that you can use. If you're looking for a little bit more moisture, you feel like you're, the definition is from a lack of moisture. You can't really get your hair to just look moisturized, which is just sometimes a porosity thing. You can use products that are a little more cream-based. The Pattern, Pattern Beauty by Tracy Ellis Ross is incredible. It's beautiful. Her gel is kind of a little bit more of a cream gel, so it has a moisturizing kind of finish to it. Riso's Curls, Latinx own brand, a small independent brand, which I love. Their gel is also a little more cream-based, great for humid climates, which brings me to another point. Educate yourself on the climate you're living in because a lot of the humectants that are existing in curly products will interact with humidity, so either will make your frizz worse or make it better. So if you live in a humid climate, you want to be aware of the kind of gel that you're using. The ingredient list, is it going to block humidity or is it going to want to play with it and then expand into the atmosphere, if that makes sense? I know stylists in general hate this question, but everyone wants to know like what trends are happening in, in hair, whether it's, you know, style, cut, color. What are you like forecasting for for the next year? Or product. Like Sarah and I loved talking about like the products we're starting to see become more popular, like in types of products. Like there's anything you can think of that you were like, we're going to see so much of this in 2023. Yeah, like we obviously saw so much scalp care. And then, you know, like now we're seeing everyone. Kirby is a great example, like not you know going back to their natural hair color. People are either chopping it off or like getting these like wonderful, fabulous extensions again. So, yeah, what are you excited about? Individuality. I think everything you're saying is very much an indication of people just wanting to feel an individuality in this world. I think the more kind of intense the social landscape becomes, the more people want to feel they have some control over, over something. And for a lot of us, the only control we have is our appearance and how we appear to the world. And I think we're seeing a lot of younger people, Gen Z, like really wanting to explore, to play, extremely long lengths, very short cuts, colorful hair. The money pieces went just from subtle to just full 90s blonde chunks. Like, I want to see the color. I want to feel like I am using my hair as an accessory to express myself, to tell people something about me. I think people are more attuned to that now more than ever, especially the way it ties to the expression of texture. I think it's transferred onto other people. I think even someone who is white without curly hairs is in a lot of ways feels that they have 
the autonomy to also express themselves through their hair. This person's wearing their hair loud and proud and natural. I want to do something that feels just as great, that empowers me, that makes me feel good. So I think that's really why sometimes we talk about trends. I'm like, it's the trend is really just individualism. It's just people wanting to just express who they are, their friend group, their social beliefs, their political beliefs. I mean, it's whether or not you agree, I can tell someone's almost political beliefs by their hair. I mean, you go, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, girl, like you have the Marjorie, whatever hair, like I can tell you're, you have a Karen cut. That's very special. I think in terms of hair care, we're seeing a lot of bonding stories. I, I don't think that's going anywhere. I think people are wanting to have a lot of, which I think tells the story of people just wanting healthy hair. I look at a lot of Korean trends as well, which always are way ahead of us. And right now, a lot of K-pop stars are going back to just black hair, shiny hair, thick hair, one length, minimal layering. You know, it's just like this healthy hair. And I think that healthy hair looks good on everybody. It's timeless, regardless. So I think people are like, yes, they are kind of going back to their natural color. Why? Because like, I want my hair to look healthy. I want it to look expensive. I want it to look, you know, luxurious. So that's kind of like, for me, the landscape of trends, It's that's where it's going, for sure. David, Sarah has always had gorgeous hair, so she's out of this conversation. Let's talk to Kirby circa 2017 to 2019 when she was bleaching her hair to the high heavens. She was very much still that Texan upbringing. Blonde is good. Brunette is naughty. So couldn't think of being a a brunette. Look at me now. Times have changed. I've evolved. So tell Kirby or anyone else listening who has destroyed their hair. What are some products they need for healthy hair? Like, what's your one, two, three punch? Get a haircut, number one. <laughs> like, I don't want to cut my ends. I'm like, I literally hold the ends. I'm like, do you want this attached to your head? Because it says a lot about you. Like, I'm like, you want this trailing behind you. Like, you want someone to look at the back of you and see this and be like, this person cares about themselves. Like, no, like, get a haircut. Two, just use, it doesn't need to be expensive, but just think about your hair care routine. And it's not necessarily about the shampoo and conditioner. How you touch your hair, how you treat it. Hair is so delicate when it's wet. And I see everyone just brushing their hair like this and just going like this and like this and like this. I'm like, it is so delicate. Like my ends are splitting all the time. I don't understand. I'm like, you don't get haircuts. You treat your hair like garbage. You go to sleep with it wet when it's at its most delicate state, you're not using a hair mask. You're not like using anything protective on it. Those are the things. Use a heat protector. I'm sure you were. I hope you were at the time. I was, but you know, when like you don't want the root, you know what I'm saying? It's detrimental. It doesn't matter at that point. And then also understand like what your hair can and cannot do. Like if you know this is not meant for you and it's that you're sacrificing the health of your hair for a look, you're not doing yourself any service because yes, you're blonde, but does it look good? Does it look healthy? Does it look like, oh, that looks good? Are you having to rely like on a lot of other things to make it look good? At that point, it's like you're a ball and chain to something you're chasing for what, you know? Oh my God. I tried blonde for like a few months and I was like, no, sorry. At least I tried, but it was not me. Wait, did I know you? No, you didn't. It was bad. And I kept trying to find someone who could do it well. And then I was like, you know, I I have to let this go. It's really weird seeing me blonde. Like when people show me pictures from when I was that blonde, it truly, to David's point, it feels like I was trying to be someone I'm not. It's like the most bizarre thing. And I had blonde hair literally like for a decade and a half. So the fact that like I'm now, this is my natural hair color, it's so weird. Like I think I just posted a picture today of 2019 when I had this blonde hair and I'm like, who is this girl I see staring straight back at me? I don't know this girl. Who is she? (laughs) 
My blonde moment was for sure like me. I was like trying to find myself. It was like one of those moments. That's why we do it. That's what hair is. Hair is so powerful. Look at all of us in our natural hair. I know. (laughs) We love to see it. David, you're incredible. We love you so much, obviously. And we need you to come to L.A. so we can have some fun times together. In the meantime, we'll continue to follow you on social media. Share with everybody where they can find you and support you. Yeah, it's just at David Lopez with three Z's at the end on Instagram. It's the same on TikTok and it's the same on Twitter as well. All right, that's it. Thank you everyone for listening. We will be back on Tuesday with the week's most buzzy beauty news. Make sure you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Spotify so you don't miss any breaking beauty news or product reviews. And if you want to support us, be sure to follow us at Gloss Angeles Pod on all platforms and join our Facebook group. Plus, find every product we recommend on our website, glossangelespod.com, as well as links to the stories and news we report each week. You can follow us, your hosts. I'm Sarah Tan, that's S-A-R-A-T-A-N, on all social platforms. And I'm Kirby Johnson, K-I-R-B-I-E, on all social platforms. Los Angeles was created by us, Kirby Johnson and Sarah Tan. It's part of the ACAST network and licensed by Vice Media Group. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.